Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 6, Episode 9. This time we are talking about 1980s, Friday the 13th. Now, this was a movie that Josh came in to do a long time ago. And because we were switching from the movie Playground to the movie Planet, it just never really got released. It was kind of lost in the ether, if you will. Well, having dug it up, I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot that we did this show. I think it's time to release this one. So we hope you enjoy this very first foray into the podcast with myself and Josh. Enjoy. With Joe. Hi, girl. Excuse me. Hi, boy. Hey, you speak English? How far is it to Camp Crystal Lake? That far, huh? Okie dokie. See you later. And Josh. You're going to camp blood, ain't you? God damn it, Ralph. Get out of here. Go on, get. Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Shut up, Ralph. All right, welcome to the Movie Planet. Joining me today is the Mrs. Voorhees to my Alice, my good friend Josh. Welcome to the show, pal. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you. Finally, been waiting <laughs> to do this for a few months now. Yes. And we, actually, the original we wanted to do was Bad Boys. Yes. And uh, th- it's still a possibility. I, I think it still should happen. Like, I, think I so definitely also. need schooled in that realm. So, <laughs> if yes. There's, if there's any school available for a Michael Bay movie, yes. <laughs> <laughs> how, how to deconstruct a Michael Bay movie. That's what you watch Bad Boys for. Oh, I mean, there's some great uh, YouTube tutorials on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can imagine. Well, before we get started, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email me at movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook at slash movieplanetpod, Twitter and Instagram at movieplanetpod. And on this show, we will be keeping track of all the movies worth your time in our Movie Planet Preserve. Now, you have not been here for all these, but these are only the movies that we've actually gone over. So these are not all the movies of all time. These are just the ones that we've actually reviewed. Okay. So in order to get into the preserve, we have to review the movie first. Okay. So this is things that have made it through. Yes. And made it through your review process. Okay. Ranked by our grade averages. Okay. There's so many steps to this thing. (laughs) It's a process. I I feel like um, this has more vetting process (laughs) than... Than the Supreme Court did. It really does. We try to keep it as democratic as possible around here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So anyway, our top seven that we've got so far, we've mm-hmm. got the number one is The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is Jaws. Number three, The Thing from 82. Okay. Uh, number four is It Chapter One, uh, which got a B plus average. The Cabin in the Woods. Love this movie. Yes. Uh, B plus and ties directly to what we're doing today, which is Friday the 13th. Yes. Uh, Evil Dead, the 2013 version made it in here at a B. Mm. Now, I know you've got something to say about this, <laughs> and we'll get into that in a second. And then we got Poltergeist rounding out the seven at uh, a B, a straight B from 1982. Not the new one, the real one. <laughs> so the, the these top two here, you got the yes. Exorcist and Jaws. Yeah. First of all, why are they in that particular order? Okay. The reason why they're when we have a tie, uh-huh. we have to figure out uh, which one is the scariest by today's standards. And okay. in that case, The Exorcist wins. It's still freaking frightening. I was even having this debate the other day of Jaws. Is it a horror movie? Is it an adventure film? Yes, it's both. It is both. Yeah. And it's a family drama. But when you consider I, I consider Jaws a horror movie simply because of the fact that Jaws single handedly made the ocean scary. <laughs> 
it's that's. I mean, I, well, he, he doesn't have any hands. He, I, I don't he know. single finnedly <laughs> <laughs> made the ocean scary. Uh-huh. Uh, and every movie that's come out in the ocean is compared to this. Yes. And always quote unquote pales in comparison, but sometimes that's just nostalgia speaking. Uh, I would, I would dare you to watch any other shark movie back to back with jaws. Yes. And find it better than jaws. I can think of one right now. Is it the Meg? No. (laughs) (laughs) Jason Statham has not. Okay. Okay. It was was the shallows. The shallows was, I thought it was better. I thought it was scarier than jaws. Uh, the only thing that I know about that is Lady Gaga sang about it in a star is born. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, oh God. I need oh, a moment right now. Oh God. It's got some of the, it's got Oof. a lyric in there that just every time I hear, I'm like, how did this win? Oh, wow. <laughs> la la lo. Uh, yeah. yeah. Th- th- I'm like, st- st- no, you're better than this guy. You're better than this. <laughs> and I don't even like Lady Gaga. You're better than this. You're better than this guy. <laughs> So anyway, the, the higher the grade we give this movie mm-hmm. that we're doing the Friday the 13th, the longer it could be staying in the Pantheon. Okay. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its butt from the preserve in the future. Okay. So we will discuss the movie, and in an hour or so, we will analyze it and grade it and figure out if we need to boot a movie out. In this case, we will have to, I'm sure. <laughs> Perhaps. Perhaps. Depending on if you've seen Friday the 13th, good. This is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you haven't seen it, you're probably better off, actually. <laughs> but it's best if you stop right wow. here. Wow. <laughs> Wow, you're sinking this ship like as soon it's not even left the harbor yet and you were trying to sink it. It's amazing. I was so excited about this when mm-hmm. I first started this. I was like, I'm going to rewatch these because you rewatched it about what, a month ago? Yeah, I, I did it really recently. I did it uh, last year as well. Oh, last year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for some reason, I watched them all last year. Then I watched them all again over the past couple months. Yeah, so. you got me excited about it. I was like, oh, you know, it's all on Amazon now. Yep. I'll check it out. And I was Friday the 13th. Here we go. And talk to you on the phone. Hey, want to do a Friday the 13th podcast? Uh uh I'm going to watch them now. And I started it. And within five minutes, I was like, what have I done? That's I I loved the the progression of text messages and conversations that were happening of like, (laughs) hey, I really want to do this. It'd be great. You want to come on? Yeah, it's all great. And then 20 minutes later is I think I've made a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like Job in Arrested Development. Yes. I made a big mistake. And, and I legitimately LOL'd when I got that text message. I was, it cracked me up. Oh boy. But Hey, now that we've handled that business, let's get down to business. Yes, sir. Don't get on the set, get ready to shoot and then ask for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. All right, this week we are discussing 1980's Friday the 13th, a movie made for an estimated, according to Wikipedia, $550,000. No, $55, that number's wrong. Yes, I was going to say, that's a touch high right there. I added a zero on accident. Okay. $55,000, that brought in $39.7 million domestically. Uh-huh. Not a whole lot, but if you adjust it for, from box office mojo, it's <laughs> $133.1 million by today's standards. It's Well, and your ROI is huge yes on this movie yeah yeah the uh so not bad for a not bad of a haul for a horror movie yeah uh <laughs> written by victor miller directed by sean s cunningham mm-hmm. are you familiar with his work um so i've seen friday the 13th yes that's it <laughs> <laughs> see last house on the left he was a producer on that yes that's true yeah but as far as, as a director yeah as far as being the uh the, the sole creative voice behind something yeah 
Ooh, I, I mean, we're going to get into opinions in a little bit. There's, yeah, we will. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, starring Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Voorhees. She gets first billing in this, by the way. That's which is amazing. <laughs> I know. For someone, she doesn't enter the movie for like. 72 minutes or something. <laughs> it's up in the last 20, ready yes. to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian King is Alice Hardy. Mm-hmm. Harry Crosby, the third, is Bill Brown. Jeanine Taylor is Marcy Cunningham. Lori Bartram is Brenda Jones. Kevin Bacon, yes, that Kevin Bacon <laughs> as Jack Burrell. Mark Nelson as Ned Rubenstein. And introducing Jason Voorhees, played by Ari Lehman. <laughs> Neat. Uh, not what I would have expected there. In. You don't expect a guy named Ari. No. To, to be your, your like. Um, you know the the setting Your the icon child in the yes. water yes <laughs> like ari is is maybe his friend who yes. who would help him <laughs> like ari's like hey can i can i help yes yeah sure my friend ari's gonna help yeah <laughs> he's a friendly neighbor kid right he, he's the he's the uh who's bart simpson's buddy with the glasses millhouse he's millhouse yes ari is a millhouse yes he is he's classic millhouse <laughs> <laughs> well according to the top critics at Rotten tomatoes it has a tomato meter reading of 50 percent. that's six fresh and three rotten not a whole lot of people want to talk about this one <laughs> wow that's kind of i would expect more over the years to gather it up there <laughs> the critics on average gave this film a 5.7 out of 10 and the audience score which is the average rating and this is usually higher mm-hmm. it's a 3.51 out of five with 60 percent agreeing it's a three or higher so wow not a whole lot of love but maybe more love than we think i don't really know that's i really just because of like the place that this holds uh, mm-hmm. in like the public consciousness oh yeah i would think but i think almost all of that is from the sequels i think so also i don't yeah. think people start with friday the 13th anymore i think they watch for like first 20 minutes and go where's jason yeah why is, this is like if the first part of it feels like um, Dazed and Confused. It's just like a hangout movie with these teens who are not teens. Yes. Dazed and Confused meets all my children. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I can see that. Yes. So this whole thing goes back, actually, to The Last House on the Left, a mm-hmm. 1972 movie that was written, directed, and edited by Wes Craven. Mm-hmm. His producer, Sean S. Cunningham, had already directed two movies and was to direct three more before tackling an idea he had, which was inspired by John Carpenter's Halloween and distanced himself from The Last House on the Left. He didn't want to be known for that movie, apparently. (laughs) Can't imagine why. It's not traumatic at all. (laughs) No. Also, inspired by Halloween. That's that's a big uh, inspired as in quotations there. Like The, The inspiration, I can already tell you where it comes from. It's the fact that this movie... Is a Halloween movie. Mm-hmm. The only reason, thing, the only thing that makes it a Friday the Thirteenth movie is that we've given the killer a motive. Yes, <laughs> yes. Otherwise, it's it's a Halloween movie. Yeah, it so. <laughs> it entirely is. And uh, I think they very much said, "Hmm, that's a tasty apple over there that Halloween's biting into. I wonder if we can bite some of it." Let's beat them before they season the witch. Yes. <laughs> hey. Oh, can I come back for Season of the Witch? I have a lot of opinions about Season of the I've Witch. I've actually never seen Season of the Witch. Oh yes. I've only heard legend of. Oh hell it. yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm. You know, with you, I may bring back Terror Talk as a podcast. So. Of course, I'm I'm a huge defender of that film. Are you really? Yes. Okay, well, yep. you're the first person I've talked to that's defended it. Yes. Because everybody I talk to is like, you skip that one. Mm, no. No, you go deep on that one. <laughs> that's a deep cut. Yeah, you can, you can skip like like five or six. Like, you don't need, you don't need one of those. Okay. I would watch, I would watch three twice. <laughs> well, the original title for the screenplay was A Long Night at Camp Blood, which probably would have made more sense than the final title, Friday the 13th, even though it's mentioned nearly four times. And if you can pick all four times, I'll give you a candy. <laughs> I cannot. I, I could have sworn that they never said it once. 
in the film, actually. It's at the very beginning. It's on during a radio broadcast. They say it's Friday the 13th. Oh, are you it's, kidding me? It's written on a billboard somewhere uh-huh. in the back, the way background. You got to like get a 4K TV to find yeah, this yeah, thing. Yeah. And then two points, the kids mention the fact that it's the 13th. They don't mention that it's Friday the 13th. No. Also, how long between when we see them and when they to when the camp was supposed to open? I don't know. (laughs) It could be the next day. It could be like a month. You have no idea. How old are these kids? Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) That's 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 an issue. We'll get there. We'll get there. Regardless, the screenplay was completed in mid 1979 by Victor Miller. And if you want to know some of his credits, the first three films he did before Friday the 13th were a coming of age story and two comedies. Post Friday the 13th, he did a bunch of rather forgettable movies, but that's not his claim to fame. Turns out he was a whiz at writing soap operas. What? He worked on Another World, where he got two Emmy nominations for Best Writing. He worked on One Life to Live, where he got one Emmy nomination for Best Writing, and All My Children, eight nominations, three wins for Best Writing. He was a soap opera darling. That is amazing. <laughs> and now you'll watch it all differently. <laughs> that is a st- Well, I think I'll watch it the same because the whole time I'm like, this feels like soap opera dialogue. When the people like the staginess of it. Super exaggerated acting. Yes. Yes. The the fact that uh, everybody is either they're they're always expositing. <laughs> Everything is just like, here's a dump. Here's an exposition dump. Right on you. Yeah. Victor Miller loved the idea of having Mrs. Voorhees be the serial killer. Quote, I took motherhood and turned it on its head, and I think that was great fun. Mrs. Voorhees was the mother I'd always wanted, a mother who had killed for her kids. I don't think that's the mother he wanted. No, no, I think uh, he wants something different. Yeah, yeah. And let's be honest, he really didn't turn motherhood on its head. Joan Collins did that. Yes. (laughs) I mean... I believe there's probably lots of mothers throughout the years who, you know, have done this exact same. Well, not the exact same thing. No, but I, I think of Norma Bates. Okay, that's a comparison I want to get into later. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> said Miller, quote, Jason, oh, no, Miller, however, was peeved at the idea that the sequels would happen and that Jason Voorhees would be the killer. Mm-hmm. Said Miller, Jason was dead from the very beginning. He was a victim, not a villain. <laughs> <laughs> I see his point. Yes. Can't make a franchise over Mrs. Voorhees, though. Well, especially not once she loses her head. Like, that makes it a little difficult. Could be something supernatural. You could have gone back because they talk about, like, there was other killings and there was a bunch of fires. That's right. Yes. So it could have been her running around setting fires at an empty camp. A se- a, a se- I know what it is. It's a series of prequels. Mm-hmm. Each one goes one movie back. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, you wind back at the day where Jason... Does- Wait a second. Thursday the 12th. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. So I just realized now that the the thing that kicks this whole thing off, yeah. story-wise, is Jason drowned. Yes. In the lake. Because the counselors were not paying attention. Because they were making love. They were getting bitty. As as she says, she she explicitly says making love and like it's, ugh, it's yeah. very off-putting uh but she could have said making whoopee that would have been more of the times she she could have said doing it doing it and doing it well yes i'm, I'm just picturing betsy palmer saying uh the, the counselors were getting down bumping ugly <laughs> squishing guts <laughs> Oh, man, oh, I'm not whacking it tonight. Oh, <laughs> Lord. Mm. It's going it's to take a couple days to watch that off. Yeah. Um, but so was that the day before the initial killings? The fires? No, no. The Jason drowning. Jason drowned. 
this happened a long time ago. Apparently. Right. But then there's the the killings we see in the, uh, the cold open of the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Was it the day before or a year before? I think that's supposed to be a day before. I can only imagine it has to be a day before okay. because a mother would be that pissed off at that point. The thing is, she says it at some point, and now I don't remember, despite the fact that I've watched this movie twice in a year, uh, <laughs> which I don't know if this is more about me or the movie itself. It's the movie itself. Yes. <laughs> but regardless, whether it be a day or a year, yeah. it's those same counselors <laughs> at the same camp, and and they're hanging out, singing Kumbaya. Right. <laughs> Hallelujah choruses. Yes. Yes. <laughs> A uh, kid drowned yesterday. You know what? Let's sing Tom Dooley. <laughs> That's how we're going to get through it. I think we found our first plot problem. Oh, my Lord. Oh, boy. No morning. No nothing. No. So, okay, so why do we get the jump out of the water at the end if Miller didn't like the idea? Well, uber famous makeup designer Tom Savini suggested a final jump at the end like Carrie had and said, let's bring in Jason. If Savini hadn't been on, made that suggestion, this movie may have been a one-off. Wow. That's, I love Tom Savini. <laughs> I do, too. He's uh, he's a grouch. Is he really? Yeah. Like, supposedly, if you like meet him in person, yeah. um, he's kind of a grumpy dude at conventions. Oh. Uh, because I know he's always going to them. Yeah. And the thing is, he he's such a good historian of this stuff, though. If you've ever watched any makings of oh, yeah. with him like talking about stuff, it's always like, just killer mm -hmm. like his he's got an encyclopedia for a brain and uh and he just looks like an angry biker all the time it's great it's funny you say that because the first time i ever saw tom savini was actually in from dusk to dawn oh okay yeah where he oh, plays yeah, an angry yeah. biker yeah you know he's got the crotch gun yeah yeah you, and, you didn't see him in um dawn of the dead where he plays I an angry biker i hadn't seen it yet <laughs> but <laughs> yes clearly that's his only only role yes that's what he likes to do <laughs> Okay, well, the best story about this movie is really the casting of Betsy Palmer and a story that can only be done justice if she is telling it. So here she is. I had a Mercedes, which I'd had a number of years, and it broke down on the Connecticut Turnpike. So I said to myself, I need a new car, universe. <laughs> and I went out to go shopping for a car, and I found a little Scirocco. I thought, oh, that's what I want. I want a cool little car like this. And so the phone rang, and my agent said, how would you like to do a movie? I said, great, that'll pay for the car that I want to buy. And he said, well, that was, now there's just one other thing I have to tell you. He said, it's a horror film. And I said, oh, no. So the script came, and I read it, and I said, what a piece of... What monster could have done this? And I said, oh, nobody is ever going to see this. It will come and it will go, and I'll have my Scirocco. Do, 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 do. All right, here we go. Do you remember seeing this for the first time, Josh? What do you think? Okay, so I probably saw it like at a sleepover. Um, I think that it was a sleepover at Mike Ritchie's house. You know the name exactly. Yes, I, I think I remember who it was. Hey, Mike. Yeah, because we didn't have we didn't uh, stay over at his place much as like a gang. Yeah. Uh, was but, it a biker gang like Tom Savini's? <laughs> Oh, yeah, but it was uh, like BMX bikes. <laughs> Had my goose. Yeah, it was a bunch of like 11-year-olds in rural Indiana. So <laughs> Stranger things. <laughs> yes, that's basically how I grew up. It's beautiful. But um, it was never one that I sought out. Like this series did not speak to me from, uh, you know, the video store shelves or anything. Okay. So really the first time I can remember was a couple years ago. I think most people that grew up in the area that this was that were kids that couldn't go to the theater to see this mm -hmm. know this movie by reputation only. Yes. Uh, 
I thought I had seen this. Mm-hmm. And watching it again, I was like, have I? Yeah. Because I remember a lot of this. I probably saw it at a theater or at a sleepover also. Yeah. But I had to be real young when I saw it. And it would have been one of those where you're like not really paying attention. You're probably like a pillow fight and go out and like make s'mores or something in the middle of it where yeah. it's, you're, it's only kind of on. There's a lot of other movies that I remember, like for me, the Evil Dead movies mm-hmm. uh, were uh, and RoboCop, oddly enough, <laughs> the, of like sitting down. And I remember like, OK, I'm tuned into this whole thing right now. Yeah. But this. Meh, not, I, not so much. Yeah, the earliest horror movies I can remember actually seeing, and I remember them vivid, vividly, was actually Poltergeist mm-hmm. and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Of course it was. The same sleepover at my friend Jim Barnes' house, and Jim Barnes is now a writer uh, for uh, Walking Dead. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's uh, writing for this next season. That's awesome. Uh, he previously worked on Gotham, mm-hmm. and he worked on Timeless, and, you know, just, yeah, I remember being at his place, and I was scared shitless of those movies. Uh-huh. But this movie really didn't make an impact on me Friday the 13th. <laughs> no, the uh, the first I can remember was uh, Cat's Eye. Oh, yes. Yeah, Cat's Eye, which I love. The cockroach scene. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the original Nightmare. On Elm Street, 84. Yes. yes. Okay. So those are the first that I remember. I was at my cousin's house when I watched those. Um, and we left during Nightmare. My parents like t- took me home for the evening. They had been playing cards or whatever. And... Um, so nightmare like i only saw half of it then mm-hmm. and it stuck in my head so bad freddie with the huge long arms oh coming down the alley yeah yep and i'm like it's the goofiest effect and it's still i watch it i'm like oh i don't like this that's <laughs> upsetting it's uncanny valley like it's grody for me it's the wall when yeah. the wall comes yes in. yeah that's uh there's so many good we should have watched that movie oh got a question for you how do you feel about the uh the remake i have not seen the remake oh, okay okay the remake I'm- came out right when uh, the flood happened here here yes okay so my plans were scotched that weekend as uh my house pretty much got flooded well many would say that you dodged a bullet but i love the new nightmare one (laughs) i I wish they would have done more i just got it on itunes because in order to complete my uh my jason viewing Mm -hmm. i had to get freddy versus jason somewhere such a fun movie to watch (laughs) and it was in the nightmare on elm street bundle so i was like well hell i'll throw down 50 bucks for every nightmare movie right plus freddy v jason i was like yeah I'll, I'll get that so yeah okay well let's get into the movie here's a clip from the movie excuse me how far is camp crystal lake from here what is it enos about 20 miles about that camp mud you're opening that place again Lots of luck. Can I get a bus or something? <sighs> Not likely. You going out to the crossroads, Enos? What about a lift? They'll be halfway. No sweat, Trudy. Okay, kid, let's move it. Name's Annie. All right, Annie, let's go. All the girls up there gonna look as good as you? Not enough. <laughs> You're going to camp blood, ain't you? God damn it, Ralph. Get out of here. Go on, get. Leave people alone. You'll never come back again. Oh, shut up, Ralph. In a brief prologue set in 1958, two summer camp counselors at Camp Crystal Lake named Barry and Claudette sneak away from a campfire sing-along to have sex. Before they can completely undress, an unseen assailant sneaks into the room and murders them both. And I'm sitting there going, shit. Already realizing this movie's gonna suck. 
Okay. Well, and this is the worst of it too. Like this is the tropiest trope that ever troped. It is. <laughs> oh my God. It's goofy. Okay. The also, first part is when she walks to the cabin with the kids. I'm like, why is she there? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, I like the fact that they're all sitting around like the campfire, the, the fireplace singing, enjoying the death of a former kid. Yes. And she stops strumming the guitar and the guitar keeps playing. <laughs> So then when I watched it again, I was like, wait, is there someone else also playing? No, it's just her. I'm like, how the hell is this happening? Yeah. We're already in like some sort of David Lynch psych (laughs) psychodrama (laughs) that's happening. And my arms bend back, you know, it's just that would be so much better. But yeah. But then when she catches them, like Mm -hmm. they look at her. Yes. But they never address her by name. They never look as though they know who she is. Right. In which we keep saying she, we don't know who it is. Yes. We'll call it the shape just for Halloween. Oh my Lord. Okay. (laughs) I think, I think we're sullying the shape's name, but okay. For the sake of having something. But I love the fact that they, he starts zipping up and belting up and he kind of looks at her like, wait, what, what, what are you doing? Wait, what are you doing? Oh no. Yes. It's, it it is nearly on the level of that uh, troll two clip. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Oh, somebody else has seen Troll too. <laughs> Multiple times. Yes, thank you. The troll movie with no trolls. Yes. <laughs> no bog. <laughs> but then she goes to stab the girl, and it is the most choreographed scream, freeze frame, I think, in popular horror movie history. <laughs> yes. And it uh, is the the title like swoops in and breaks the screen. Yes. Like, it's like, which, you know why they did that, why? right? Because there was that movie, Friday the 13th, The Unborn, which came out before okay. this one. They had a rights issue with the title. Okay. And he apparently, Sean was like, I like the name Friday the 13th. Let's get our uh, people at the uh, production company to make sure it's never been used before. Mm-hmm. So while they're looking, he runs over to some advertiser and goes, quick, make me a, a thing that says Friday the 13th on it and make it something really cool that really just shatters. Uh-huh. So they made a black version that shattered glass. And then they're like, well, we got the rights to it. They can't say no now. Oh, my God. Oh, that's amazing. That is wonderful. I've always wondered why. Yeah. Why it was like that. Yeah. yeah. The film that's moves good. forward to the present Friday, June 13th. A young woman named Annie enters a small diner and asks for directions to Camp Crystal Lake, much to the shock of the restaurant's patrons and staff. A strange old man named Ralph reacts to the news of the camp's reopening by warning Annie that they are all doomed. Enos, a friendly truck driver from the diner, agrees to give Annie a lift halfway to the camp, and during the drive, he warns her about the camp, informing her that a young boy drowned in Crystal Lake in 1957, one year before the double murders occurred. There's your answer. There we go. So it's one year. It's not one day. So they had time to mourn. Yeah. Yeah. After Enos lets her out, Annie walks on. A little later, Annie hitches a ride and gets picked up by an unseen driver in a Jeep. As the driver speeds past the entrance of the camp, Annie becomes concerned and leaps from the moving vehicle when the driver fails to stop, fleeing into the woods. The unseen driver chases her into the woods and slits her throat with a Bowie knife. Oh, my God. That's a lot. That is... For a character that's never going to meet any other campers. <laughs> yes. So it's just there for exposition, but there's so many, like, like there's so much business with her in the diner. Then she's with this guy. Then she, she's walking on. It's, ri- oh, it's ridiculous. Do you want to get into Ralph? It is so ridiculous. Okay. Ralph. Tell oh, me about Ralph. Ralph. Okay. So Ralph, I feel bad for Ralph because everyone calls him crazy. Yes. He's crazy Ralph. Uh, but he is like 
the town historian. <laughs> yes. He's the only guy who actually is saying what's going to happen. Yeah. Everyone else is like, no, you don't go up there. They're being like real coy about it. Enos is just downright rude to him. Yeah. Oh, well, God damn it, Ralph. <laughs> okay. But Enos also, he's he's going to take her up there. Yeah. And then in the car, he's like, don't go up there. But I'm going to take it halfway. Yeah. Like, what the hell, dude? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Take me back to the bus station getting out of town if you know that I'm going to get my head chopped off. Exactly. Like, even even the people on the ship in Jurassic Park didn't get to the shore. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they warned them saying, it's called, you know, Los Cinco Mortis. <laughs> Five deaths. I don't yeah. know. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but, yeah. So, Ralph, uh, I feel bad for... For him, I feel bad like how he's portrayed mm-hmm. because he's like, uh, you know, like gross, you know, crazy guy. Yeah. Also, I have to admit, I've made this movie. The first movie that I made with my buddy Cameron. Yeah. Is very much Friday the 13th. No kidding. Really? Yes. And, what was it called? Uh, the Lashman. The Lashman. Yes. And I mean, it is like beat for beat. It is one of these movies. I'm intrigued. Yes. It's <laughs> it, it is a pastiche an homage. Is it a final girl? Uh, yeah, there's okay. a final girl Yeah, and maybe some others. You don't know. Oh, you final seen peeps. It. Yeah. Might be some final peoples in there, <laughs> uh, but we have a, the same kind of character. And okay. even then when we were doing it, yeah. like 10 years ago, I was like, this is, it's not quite PC guys. Like this is a little messed up. Yeah. Like this is Ralph is a guy who like the social safety net has failed. <laughs> He really just needs some help. And poor guy. Give him, give him something other than a bike. Yeah. People are like kicking him around. He's showing up in pantries. Like you have no idea what's going on with this dude, except for he's the only one willing to speak truth to power and say, no, you're going to get killed up there. Is that considered a horror trope by the day standards? You have to have the crazy guy that everybody thinks is, you know, mentally ill. Okay. So I was trying to think that he was the progenitor of this. Yeah. Because you see it in Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. And you, and you see it in, uh, I just had on top straw dogs. It's in straw dogs. He it's yes. played by the guy from prison break. Yes. I, I'm watching that right now. I was like, Oh, that's the character right there. Yeah. The, the, I think they call it the harbinger. Yeah. In, uh, in, in Cabin in the woods. Yeah. But also it goes back to, in a way, Texas chainsaw. Who do they meet first there? It's the, the thing is, it's a, it's the brother. Oh, that they pick up in the van. Yes. Yes. And he, and he cuts his hand and he takes their picture uh, and he puts the blood on the side of the van, <laughs> that whole thing. But I'm like, He's also part of the plot. Yeah. So that feels like slightly different. Right. But this guy is just like stands apart from everybody else and points to it and is like, you're going to die. <laughs> oh, God damn it, Ralph. Yeah. <laughs> Stop <laughs> creeping her. But everyone tells her not to go up there. Then Ralph says, don't go up there. And they're all like, shut up, Ralph. I'm like, really, guys? Come on. And I get that it's a different time. But I love the fact that Enos is like, you You get your right away. You're like, oh, he's just trying to protect Annie. Then yes. he puts her in the car. He puts both hands on her ass on the way. Yes. Up. Yes. <laughs> Did he just feel her up on the way? Yeah. Like he's protecting her from the guy who might like stink a little bit, but you know, he's going to try to grope her in the cab of the truck on the way up to the camp. He's a few letters from Cletus. Oof. Oof. The, uh, also the cop later talks about crazy Ralph and the way that he talks about him is just like, Oh, that old son of a bitch. He always gets drunk and he gets lost. And I spend my whole day looking for him and he gets to spend a week in the drunk tank. It's just like the most dismissive and upset. The whole town hates this guy. Yeah. I'm like, this is, it's really nuts. Yeah. 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 They're all sitting there going, can we just send him to camp blood? Yeah. (laughs) Also. Okay. How, uh, why didn't she kill anybody else? Why is it just these? 
People. Well, the the camp has been closed. Yes, they're reopening it with yeah. the uh, I'm guessing the pedophile guy in charge. Yeah, who's into teen girls. <laughs> okay, it's another thing. Like they play real fast and loose with how old these kids are. It's real weird. It's, re- it's an ambiguous movie. Yes. Yeah. At the camp, the other counselors, Ned, Jack, Bill, Marcy, Alice, and Brenda are refurbishing the cabins and facilities along with the camp's demanding owner, Steve Christie. He ain't just demanding. He's demanding a little ass. <laughs> they, they have a few strange inc- incidents, including a prank where one of them pretends to drown. That's, and, that's hilarious. I love when people pretend to die. Yeah, I, it's one of my favorite things. <laughs> and an unwelcome visit from the local police. They oh, find God. a large snake in one of the cabins, chopping it in half with a machete. Damn you, PETA. They also receive a visit from Ralph, who again warns them that they are doomed. As a violent storm closes in on the horizon, Steve leaves the campground to get more supplies. Now, we just talked about this. How old are these kids supposed to be? Are they in college? I don't know. So, like, I was a camp counselor. Yeah. Or I was a counselor in training at, like, 15, 16. Yeah, yeah. CIT, and then you got to be a counselor at 17, 18. Yeah, yeah. Like, these kids are also running, like, the entire camp. They're putting it together. Yes. From scratch, apparently. (laughs) It has not been opened in, like, 40 years or whatever. I counted two cabin stops. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But there's also like the other building over. I don't know. We don't know. The one that they keep showing, but they're like, what? Forget about that for a second. Yeah. Is that supposed to be Mrs. Voorhees' house? I think so, especially because it it comes back later in the series. Yeah. But also Voorhees was a townie. Yeah. Who worked at the camp, supposedly, as a cook. I'm a friend of the Christie's. Yeah. (laughs) So why didn't she kill him? When he first said he was gonna, that he was going to open it, he had to do some planning before he was out there with his bandana and short shorts uh, nailing gutters up. It'd been fun just to have every time they put the picture of the cabin up there, you see her little head poking through the window. Yeah. Kind of like, what's hey. going on? Hey. Hi there. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing. Uh-huh. Um, the officer that stops by looking for Ralph mm-hmm. is something straight out of the 1950s and how he talks. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm picturing Dumb and Dumber's cop who drinks the piss. Okay. Like yeah. he talks exactly the same way. You'll yeah. know what's good for you. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I don't know that any, that any of these people are in the same movie. <laughs> They're all. Yeah. <laughs> pretend you're doing this. You. No, 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 this, no, no. This direction for this person. <laughs> yes. I want you to pretend like you're. Wah! <laughs> like the, the wacky dude who shows up with the, the big um, Indian headdress on. <laughs> that shoots the arrow way too close to yes. the <laughs> And once again, thinks almost shooting someone else with a bow and arrow is hilarious. It's a great prank. <laughs> Want to see my trick shot? Yeah. He he wears his shirt as like some kind of a diaper and shows and wears his uh, Indian headdress. Incredibly offensive. Yes. Uh, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, when the cop shows up, he calls him Cochise. <laughs> 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 Which killed me when I when I caught that. I was like, that's fantastic. Oh, a movie that could never be made today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the unidentified killer, still unseen except for a pair of black slacks, a brown plaid shirt, and a glass ring on his or her left ring finger, begins to isolate and murder the counselors one by one. Ned spots the killer, now wearing a hooded black rain slicker, walking into a cabin, and Nick follows the person into the cabin because that's what you do. So <laughs> I think that that cabin... Might be their house. Okay. But also, I do like the fact that nobody knows the killings are happening for so long. Yeah. Yeah. They're so isolated. Nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. And everybody is like, you know, they're off playing footsie with each other. Like in their, they're pairing off in their little groups. Yeah. And it's, I feel like a more modern movie doesn't take its time. No, it, it doesn't. Yeah. It dunks you like it dunks the characters into, oh my God, my friend's dead mm-hmm. almost immediately. 
I think though the the uh, what's acceptable for scaring people today it, it all depends on what teenagers respond to, mm-hmm. uh, and you're either looking at your Wannaverse types movies, mm-hmm. which are jump scares and all that, or you've got the high art ones like Hereditary right. and The Witch, which aren't necessarily scary, just kind of disturbing. True. I mean, there it's a disturbing scare. Yeah. I mean, Hereditary, I think, also had like a legitimate couple, a couple legit scares in it. I think there were parts of Hereditary that I was like, I, I think I was in on that movie up until she was on the ceiling. And I was like, nope, no, I'm out. No, that's that's when I doubled down. See, that's when I was out because I was like, no, no. What about like um, It Follows? OK. I may be the only person who thought It Follows with meh. The first time I saw it, yeah, that was my response. Okay, all my friends loved it, and I was like, yeah. And then I watched it again a couple years later, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I really liked it. Maybe it's the Austin Powers effect for me. I gotta watch it a second time before I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it now. And then it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and then you quote it all the time. I don't, Non-stop, I don't know. Stop, baby. On. Yeah. <laughs> As the violent rainstorm hits the camp, Marcy and Jack later enter the cabin and have sex in one of the bunks, unaware that Ned's dead body is in the upper berth. Afterwards, Marcy leaves to visit the ladies' room, and Jack is attacked by the killer who is laying in wait underneath the cot. Does that mean she was under there the whole time they were getting bitty? Okay. She, <laughs> so she came in, she killed the dude, yeah. put him up on the top, and then just chilled in the bottom. <laughs> but why did she do that? Like, to begin with? I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, why didn't I hide in the closet? Did she run out of time? Yeah, but no one else was there. Like, that's the craziest thing to me is she was just like, I'm just going to like take a little nap underneath this bed and wait. Hope somebody hops into it. And two people hopped in, got a little freaky deaky. Uh Uh-huh. Not only that, you see, unless it's a stunt butt, you see (laughs) like a full on bacon crack. Yes, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And like a a lady hand like grasping. (laughs) She's grasping a cheek. And Voorhees. Mama Voorhees yeah. is under there the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 she, she a little freaky too. Yeah. I think, uh, but this is, this is for me, the most memorable kill. Yes. Uh, it's the one I remember from the movie. I remember somebody gets stabbed from beneath a cot. Yep. And when I saw it's Kevin making, I was like, no, not Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the fact that the hand goes up on the head. Yes. And he's paralyzed. And, Okay. You you quickly move down. <laughs> yeah, the the leverage of that scene, how strong a geriatric woman. <laughs> yes, and also is she wearing that cable knit sweater the whole time? I think so. Like, I'm like this thing. She has to reek no matter like what layers. She doesn't have time to like go and like powder her hair every time, right? Right. Because when she shows up, she's looking like a golden girl. Yes, and not a spot of blood on her. Yeah, she would be sweaty. Maybe she keeps going back to the cabin to change clothes. She's wearing the rain slicker one point. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She got them black pad plat pants or whatever it is. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, the murderer drives an arrow up to the bed and pierces Jack's throat, killing him. And I love that. Yep. It's great. While using the bathroom, Marcy hears a noise by the showers. Thinking it's Jack playing a joke on her. She goes and pulls back a shower curtain, <gasps> finding nothing. She turns around and finds the unseen killer wielding a felling axe and gets it slammed in her face. Also, she must have sprinted from place to place. <laughs> like, she's like, okay, just finished uh, um, shish kebabing Kevin Bacon. I've got to run over to the... She's to a world-class the- athlete. Yes. Also, uh, she doesn't leave a whole lot of drips. No, she doesn't. It's a clean kill. Yeah. 
Yeah, she's like Dexter in that way. <laughs> this, the kids are walking to the cabin. There's saran wrap everywhere. <laughs> yeah, like this seems fine. Yeah, this is fine. Let's be honest. The famous sex guys. Let's just get on with it. <laughs> uh, maybe those are sex tarps. Uh, sex tarps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, keeps the stains away. Uh huh. And wait till you get into this next part of the. Uh... <laughs> I this is I, okay. <laughs> Bill, Allison, Brenda play strip monopoly in Alice's cabin until the rain makes Brenda remember she left her cabin windows open. As Brenda settles down to bed, she hears a faint childlike voice calling, help me. It sounds like the fly, actually, when they were. Yes, it does. Yeah. From the woods. Brenda walks outside with a flashlight in the pouring rain because this always works, trying to locate where the child's voice is coming from. She ventures to the archery range where the hooded rain slicker killer turns on the blinding lights at the range, distracting Brenda, who is then killed off screen. Come on. Yes. She deserved better than that. Yes, she did. Yes. You foreshadowed this shit earlier. Well, and she showed us her bra. Yep. In the mm-hmm. strip poker scene. There is no full on nudity in this. There's there's some boobs. Where were the boobs? In the sex scene. Or like, I believe in the post uh, sex With scene. With a side boob? No, no, she turns. Oh, okay. I didn't see it. How could you not see it? I Them. Probably, I'd already lost interest at that point, I think. Yeah, you, you were just like, oh, I can't wait for Kevin making the I to can't get- deal with this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Put those away. Just get, get on get, with it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> there is a lot of like the, um, I feel like 70s leftover kind of exploitation-esque stuff going on. Okay. Like the girls are in their underwear a couple times. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Just about the house. Yes. <laughs> as you do. And um, like wearing bikinis and stuff in the earlier scene where they're playing around. Yeah. It feels like they were like, we're going to make a, a grindhouse movie, but not quite. The, no, you're right. That's yeah. what it feels like. It yeah. feels like a grindhouse movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hearing her scream, Bill and Alice go to investigate, but only find the bloody axe. The same axe used to kill Marcy in Brenda's bed. <laughs> After looking around the camp, they find nobody and begin to suspect that something is a, I think something is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Att- we should wait a year and then sing some songs yeah, attempting to call the police they discover the phone lines have been cut and that the cars won't start when they try to leave and this is where this movie cannot be made today because everyone have a freaking cell phone out uh-huh. of the I love every kill in this that I see yes and I wish I had seen more Brenda <laughs> you're really letting us down Brenda damn it Brenda <laughs> no, there, but there's just a couple like all timers Oh, yeah. In this thing, the the arrow through the neck. Um, I think your final decapitation. The axe in the forehead. Yeah. Looks great. Well, and it, it's cut really well, too. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the movie might be cut better than it's shot. Honestly. That's... God bless the editor. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Steve is in town. <laughs> Steve just chilling at a local diner. So this also every single time, like I forget that Steve's in the movie because he leaves in like scene two. Yeah. He's like, okay, this is my camp. I've hired you all from all across the country, apparently. Steve feels like he's in his 30s. Yes, I can see that. Yeah. But but also he owns a camp, but his family owned it. He decides to reopen it. Yeah. And to service urban youths. Maybe 40s as the. Yeah, (laughs) whatever it is. He looks like a college professor who decided to, like, take a sabbatical. and, (laughs) And maybe that's where his predilection comes from. I'll hire some students that I really like. Yes. <laughs> you know, we'll go out and we'll teach them to draw. Uh, <laughs> oh, and the, oh, yeah. The one does. Draw, it's weird. Uh, but he like the mooses 
as soon as everybody shows up, except for the girl who gets killed on the way in. Yes. Like, so everybody gets there and he's like, all right, guys, this is my family land. And I'm hoping to make this into a profitable business. You uh, teenage strangers that I just met, <laughs> please, you take care of this while I go into town for about 12 to 15 hours. <laughs> it was a big piece of pie. Yeah. What is he doing? He, I have no clue, but what a way to get rid of him. Yeah. He's like, I got to run into town for something. Yeah. And the next time you see him, it's like three o'clock in the morning and he's eating pie in a diner. <laughs> see, I was expecting at some point that someone would leave the camp, be smart enough to go. I'm going to run down the road. Right. And they run into his car and he's killed in the car. Okay. Out of the way. And that's why yeah. he never saw him again. I was like, I'm expecting that. But when I get the scene, I'm like, he's just having dinner. But he is. So Scream also owes a lot to this. Yes. Uh, so I think that he is supposed to be like the big red herring. Okay. But it never plays like that for me. No. Because I don't get any menace from him. He just shows up now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like in that first couple scenes, you're like, yeah, he's kind of pressuring that the one woman to stay with him. Yeah. He's like, oh, if you don't like it, I'll, you know, I'll get buy a bus ticket back to L.A. or whatever. Plus, it seems like a lot of work to put together a camp to lure these kids there. Yes. Just to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know what? Like, why is he working so hard? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of renovations just to hack up a couple people. Maybe he has two interests. Carpentry and killing. <laughs> killing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. During, okay, so he gets back in his Jeep to drive back to Camp Crystal Lake, but during the drive, his Jeep, fought, towing a trailer, gets stuck in the mud off a secondary road, yet a passing policeman gives him a ride part of the way back to the camp. Steve is let out as the officer gets a call about a car accident in town, and with the rain letting up, Steve begins to walk back to the camp alone. When Steve arrives at the entrance of the camp, he is also murdered, apparently familiar with his attacker. So, oh, it's you! Yes. <laughs> also, nobody ever goes all the way to the camp. No, it's 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 like that that math problem of like you keep getting halfway there and halfway there like people. Oh, I drive part way. Then I get killed. And the next guy goes. It's it's a fraction problem. Yes. And and once again, so much business with like this person has to go here. And how do you explain the cop leaving? Like, yeah, you, you could have had anybody else give him a ride other than a cop. Anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a cop. Where's Enos? Yeah. His ass is always on the road. <laughs> I do like that this town that um, only has like boarded up businesses yeah. somehow has two eateries in it. <laughs> and one of them is an all night diner. Two eateries and 12 people. Yeah. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> they just keep circulating the wealth and pie betwixt uh, the 12 of them. When the lights go out all over the camp, Bill goes to check on the power generator, but doesn't know how to operate it or figure out what is wrong. Well, he was the wrong guy to send. When, <laughs> when Bill doesn't return, Alice heads out to the generator cabin looking for him, and she finds his body pinned to a door by several arrows. Now alone, Alice flees back to the main cabin and hides. After a few moments of silence, Brenda's corpse is hurled through a window. <laughs> <laughs> I love that moment. <laughs> by the some, I'm guessing giant outside. Yes. Like, <laughs> it, it's, she doesn't just like partway through the window. She is like her whole body goes through the window. The Hulk tossed her. <laughs> yes. It is astonishing. With a massive rope tied around her too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, like. On a cruise ship anchor. <laughs> it's huge. It's a big chain. Yes. <laughs> Alice hears a vehicle outside the cabin and thinking it to be Steve runs out to warn him. Instead, she finds a middle-aged, she's not middle-aged, a mm. middle-aged woman who introduces herself as Mrs. Voorhees, an old friend of the Christie's. 
Alice hysterically tries to tell her about the murders. Mrs. Voorhees expresses horror at the sight of Brenda's body, but she soon reveals herself to be the mother of the boy who drowned in the lake in 1957. Oh, it's you. Oh, it's you. I've heard about you. Um, (laughs) Say, do you know why they call it Camp Blood? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Talking mostly to herself. Now, this is a question I have for you. Yes. Is she talking to herself? Is she possessed by Jason? Oh, she's... Okay. See, I hadn't thought about it that way. I we thought- find out later on he has the ability to possess, I think. No, that's a whole other thing. That's Freddy versus Jason, I think. Oh, no, he gets possessed by Freddy. Yes. Never mind that. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Uh, but she does. So the famous, like, <laughs> is apparently, <laughs> and it's the first part of her saying kill mm-hmm. and mommy. Is it really? Supposedly, yes. I always thought it was. I know, right? Yeah. Yeah. But from her repeatedly saying, like going into her fugue state. Yeah. And speaking as she kill them, mommy, kill them. Huh? Which. So is she hearing? Is she possessed by Jason? I don't know. Is is she Jason throughout all the rest of these somehow? (laughs) I mean, he is she. <laughs> he is very possessed by her in later ones. He certainly gets larger, large enough to throw a Brenda through a window. <laughs> okay. How do you. Okay. Is there. Does she have a catapult out there? Did <laughs> she like put her on the front of uh, the, the station wagon? Yeah. And like ram her right, right through the window. I, she's one strong lady. Yes. Yeah. Uh, talking mostly to herself, she blames her son Jason's drowning on the fact that two counselors were having sex and were unaware of Jason struggling in the lake. She tells Alice that today happens to be Jason's birthday, which Alice begins to worry on where Steve is. Mrs. Voorhees suddenly turns violent and pulls out her Bowie knife, thus revealing the Bowie knife as well as her class ring on her left finger, confirming that Mrs. Voorhees is the killer. Wow, no one noticed that actually. <laughs> it's, it's, what do they have here? I believe uh, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. My notes say ridiculous (laughs) is what this was. Rushing at Alice, but Alice uses a fireplace poker and temporarily knocks Mrs. Voorhees unconscious. Temporarily, because you can't you can't knock an old lady out. She she beats the shit out of her with that thing. Yeah. Like hits her about the head and neck and then like right on the ribs a few times. That's why I'm thinking she's possessed. Yeah, she has to be. A lengthy chase ensues during which Alice flees her attacker and finds Steve's and Annie's bodies in the process. Okay, Mrs. Voorhees turns back on the generator to the camp and then chases Alice all over the camp in a climactic <laughs> chase, in which speaks to herself in Jason's voice. She corners Alice in a storage shed where Alice has found a rifle. Before Alice can load it, Mrs. Voorhees attacks her and slaps her around. Oh, that, that slapping is great, too. <laughs> it really is just like... It's amazing. Doo, doo, doo. Like, everything else has been these like horribly violent machete and axe to the face kills. And this is just like, it's all I've got. Yes. It's, it's like a gone with the wind. Yes. Type slapping. Just do- it's great. Alice escapes and runs back to the main cabin, hiding behind a locked door in the pantry. Mrs. Voorhees now brandishing a machete breaks. Du- Where is this camp? <laughs> <laughs> breaks the door open and rushes in at Alice. Alice hits her on the side of the head with a frying pan, rendering her unconscious and believing her dead. So that's twice she's been knocked out. Also, I love the fact that the the, the uh, implements from Alice's side are getting like less and less deadly. <laughs> and hers are getting worse. Yes. She's like, I got it. I have an unloaded rifle. Okay, that's that's great. Now I have a frying pan. I have, this is like a Laurel and Hardy sketch I'll drop an anvil point. on her from above. Yes, <laughs> 
She'll never see this piano. <laughs> Heading out to the side of the lake, Alice sits down next to the water, but Mrs. Voorhees comes rushing out at her again of with the machete. Narrowly avoiding her machete, the two of them wrestle near the next to the lake, and <laughs> this is the best fight thing I could come up with. Yeah. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of a knockdown, like... It was, they were pretty, like, they were at a 10. Yes. For most of this. And then the fight starts, and you could tell they're just tired. Yeah. <laughs> it really, um, I, I was uh, downtown with some friends the other night, uh, and we were in uh, Buffalo Billiards. Okay. We were sitting there having a French dip sandwich. Ooh. Uh, after our show, it was pretty, okay. pretty tasty. But they had UFC on. And we were watching and most of the fight was people not touching each other. It was like, it was like fainting and like trying to get close and like, you know, feel out the reach. And then there was about a minute of like real heavy wailing. Yeah. And then another five minutes of fight time of people just kind of like really groggily slap at each other. Like they didn't want to be doing it anymore. Uh, ow. Uh, ow. Uh. And that's what this reminded me of when I rewatched it. I was just like, they're done. They're gassed out. Oh yeah. If they could tap somebody else in, they totally would. Because at this point you're just, can you imagine how sweaty and gross like that cable knit sweater has to be at this point? That thing stinks. Yeah. Like, that and lake water. Yeah, and she's wearing like old lady slacks, probably. Oh, the scent. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. Besting her attacker, Alice gains the upper hand and finally kills Mrs. Voorhees by decapitating her. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. It's fantastic. Now in shock, Alice gets in a canoe and rows out to the middle of the lake where she falls asleep to on Golden Pond's theme music. <laughs> <laughs> Morning comes and Alice is, you know, still asleep in the canoe. Police arrive and call out to her and she awakens as she sits up and contemplates her own rescue. The decomposing body of Jason attacks Alice and pulls her out of the canoe. Just as she is dragged underwater, she wakes in a hospital where a police officer tells her that they pulled her out of the lake and that everyone at the camp are dead. When she asks, what about the boy? The officer informs her they never found any boy. And Alice replies, and he's still there. And they show the lake at peace. And credits roll. <laughs> yes. So it's it's the rare double faint there at the end. Yes. It's it fakes you out at least twice. What if the if Victor Miller had his way, this mm-hmm. movie would have ended just with the death of her, and then she's in the canoe asleep, and the cops get her. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Adding the Jason piece in, and then the gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That was all Savini then. Yes. So, but it changes like what, how everything works then logistically speaking. And you go, okay, wait, which part is the dream? Yeah. How many layers deep are we incepted inside of an inception at this point is, (laughs) can you trust her waking up at the hospital? Did she even, was, was the boy even there? Yes. I don't know. And also, (laughs) Did uh, Miss Voorhees, how much of this is just made up on her end? Yeah. Like. Does, is Alice going to prison for killing an old woman? Yeah. I mean, we found a headless woman. (laughs) (laughs) And a machete with your fingerprints on it, Alice. (laughs) Uh, Also, like half a dozen of your friends dead. (laughs) Are dead also. Yes. You're the only person who survived. And we're pretty sure you touched everything. Yeah. (laughs) You were all over that camp. 
And you expect us to believe an old lady did this? Right. This has to be somebody in the prime of their life. We've seen her. She's got varicose veins. She, <laughs> she's local. She eats at both of the diners in town on the regular. That's... So the movie's over, Josh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Were you entertained by this? Yes. <laughs> yes, I was. But only like in fits and starts. Okay. I have to say, like, there's parts that lose there's parts that lose me almost entirely. Yeah. Um, because they're I don't know, the, the acting, like I can't get into it because of the acting or the, the lack of character or um the fact that there's not an old lady fighting a young girl. <laughs> clearly the high point it is the high point yeah uh i i was entertained by for all the wrong reasons uh-huh like i know that the intention was to scare me yes it was not to make me giggle the entire time and i was giggling the whole time yes so. i can yeah i can definitely see that yeah so do you how do you feel about like the first third or half before there's before the, you really get into the killings <laughs> i was bored okay so bored like again i was like where th- there are certain things I've grown to uh, understand about good storytelling in movies. Mm-hmm. And that is you can't just have the killer show up at the end. Right. You have to have some foreshadowing that this per- human being is in the vicinity and then yes. you make it something where, okay, who is it? Right. Who is it going to be? Right. Oh, we never suspected her eating cherry pie at one of the two diners. Right. We never suspected, but she was there. Yes. We've never seen this woman. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she shows up uh, going into the, the third act there. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm going to save you. And then immediately reveals herself to be the killer. Right. Like, oh, there's not even a fake out at that point. She's like, come with me. It, and she goes into her fugue state yeah. and uh, they do the uh, like the Olin Mills portrait inlay of <laughs> drowning Jason over top of her face. She's yeah. picturing it. Yeah. Or e- even if they had like Enos was driving Annie mm-hmm. and he mentions the, the kids that drowned, I think. Yeah. He's the one. Mentioned, yeah. And he says, yeah. It, and there was a local family that lived nearby mm-hmm. and their boy drowned in the lake. Yeah. And the kids were there and they never said, if they said the family was there. Okay. They just said the boy drowned. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was a kid at camp. Who the hell knows? Right. But give us the idea that there was a family involved. Yes. She just pops out of nowhere. <laughs> also, she lives there and she knows Steve. Yeah. Like everybody in town knows her. So how did she not go like, has she not revealed herself to be a crazy human being? Yes. This entire time. Also, I don't think she's a serial killer. I think she's a spree killer. Okay. Technically speaking. Yes, because she's going to kill the same way. Yes. (laughs) And serial has to be over a period of months, I believe. But she's awfully efficient at it. She really is. She's very strong. (laughs) She's wickedly strong and clean. Yes. Her her polyester (laughs) slacks. Uh, are hiding her miraculously strong thighs, apparently. Because <laughs> you got to have a lot of like lower body to to huck a woman through a window. Go loins. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Go loins indeed. All right. On to our next segment titled Top 3, Bottom 3. This is where we talk about the three things we want to highlight in this movie. And then we go over the three things that are bad, unforgivable, or downright travesties. Let's start with the top three. Josh, do you want to start us off? Or you want me to start off? Uh, okay. I'm going to start off. All right. Go for it. So uh, my do we do this backwards, forwards? Well, one would be the worst thing. Three would be the least worst thing. Okay. So you do three, two, one. 
Okay. So what's your worst thing on this list? But these, these are, okay. But these are my best things. Oh, these are the best things. Yeah. But this is my worst of the best things. No, these are the best things. This is the top three things you want to highlight. But my number three is my worst best thing. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) It's your least best. Okay. My least best. Yeah. Uh, It's your third best friend. My third best friend. (laughs) Okay. Oh, hi, Joe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. I like the setting. Okay. I think that they made really good use of the environment. Uh, it really makes me want to go for a swim in a lake. <laughs> Not that particular lake, mind you. Mind you. Just a lake. A lake in general. A, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm from the Midwest. We That's what we do. We don't have oceans to go to, like, like fancy folk. Uh, but the whole, the vibe of the camp, the, how real it feels. Yeah. Because obviously, like, they didn't build such. They just went to a camp. Right. And I I really like that. Um, I don't feel like you get that as much in a uh, more modern film. Okay. All yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your number two? Number two, Mr. Kevin Bacon. Yeah. I feel like uh, he came in from a much better film. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to act on screen. You okay. Know what I mean, like the other people are being really hammy for the most part. Right. And he just has this kind of like naturalistic charismatic quality where you're like, Oh, okay. That's why you're <laughs> Kevin fucking bacon. I get it. It's, it's great. <laughs> also, um, he maybe he was he in the outsiders. Cause he looks like he came in from the outsiders. He may have been the only person not in the outsiders. Okay. <laughs> yes. But yeah, with, with his hair and his like kind of a uh, little smirk. Yep. And, uh, touching the, the cops motorcycle at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really weird. What you got here? Yeah. None of your business. Get off my bike. <laughs> That's an officer of the law, Kevin. You will respect him. You respect my authority. Uh, and so my number one thing that I like yes. the most, most is Betsy Palmer <laughs> slash Mrs. Voorhees. Uh, the reveal that it's a, <laughs> that it was a, uh, uh, an extra character on the golden girls. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's like, uh, the fact that you don't know who it is mm-hmm. and she's never introduced. It's like an episode of murder. She wrote if it had boobs and graphic violence in it. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, it's also a weird like inversion of psycho. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where you, you think it's the mother the whole time and then it's the son, you know. Right. You know, you don't think it's Jason the whole time, but why the hell do they keep telling that story? Uh, but you don't <laughs> expect it to be an older lady as Someone who just had a birthday, I think that I need to like watch my language about who's old and who's older. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. You're younger than Betsy Palmer. <laughs> Truth. Okay. That's fair. She's yeah. an old woman. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. The fact, and the more that I watch it, the more I am concerned about her old lady clothes that she's wearing while she's doing all this murder. And yeah. Those clothes have not gone out of style. No. The elderly. No, I think actually you could see uh, some hipster some younger hipster girls we'll to East Nashville. See yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're in that same kind of thing with like an ironic fanny pack or something. <laughs> well, my number three is strip monopoly. <laughs> could yeah. you, could you think of a longer way to get naked? Like <laughs> by today's standards, this is like playing strip settlers of Catan. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I could see that. I'd like to see that. Can we go see that somewhere? <laughs> Quick, everybody, we're going to play a strip. We're going to play a strip game. It might take seven hours, <laughs> but by the end, you might have your top off. Uh, we're we're going to play a combination of truth or dare and risk. <laughs> risk. 
it, it's called Seven Hours in Heaven. You, like when they pulled that, like, let's play Strip Monopoly. I was like, that's the best. Yeah. Don't you have a deck of cards? <laughs> Is there an Uno nearby? Yeah. Boggle. Boggle. <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors, just something quick. Uh, my number two is Jack's death. The arrow through the chest from under the bed. <laughs> I love the fact that this means that Mrs. Voorhees was under the bed the entire time. So, uh, yeah, got a little freaky deaky in her. I got to respect that, Mrs. Voorhees. <laughs> Dude, all, like, also, those cuts, they already broke through one of them. They're low to the ground. Yeah, with the whole snake thing happening. <gasps> Does that mean she was sandwiching them? Yeah, oh. I, I think she's like supporting them as they're like grinding onto her. Oh, jeez. Ugh. And which do you think smells worse, her or the dead body above them? <laughs> oh, I was wondering this. Those cabins can't be very fresh. Oh, no, no. She's rolling around on the floor, and then you got a bunch of bacon stank floating through the air. <laughs> <laughs> and my number one is the final scare with Jason. Yes. It gets me every time. Yep. Uh, and when I say it gets me, it's like, I, it always catches me off guard. I know it's coming. Yeah. It's just like, okay, when is it? Up, oh, oh, there he is. Hi, Jason. And then he's gone. <laughs> the, the timing of it is... So good. It's like it's like half a beat off. Yes. And so it always kind of like startles you a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Musical people kids there go, oh, I know where the beat's going to be. And yes. nope, got you off guard. Yep. Yeah. It's great. It's like a dark helmet in Spaceballs. Ooh. <laughs> 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 All right. Let's move on to the bottom three. Yes, Time sir. to vent about this one. <laughs> and Josh, we can only have three. So oh, God. What are your bottom three? Okay. I am super angry <laughs> that these characters aren't characters. I can't tell any of them apart. <laughs> I, I watched the movie multiple times now and I'm like, I don't know. They're the, t there's the one who's kind of wacky, but they're all a little bit funny. Yeah. And then they lean way too hard into this in the sequels where it's like, you have the funny guy and then you have the horn dog and you have, and here, but they don't, still don't have any personality. It's, and, it's been improved upon in later iterations. Well, the, they, they have types, but they don't have yeah. characters for the most part still. Right. This Apart from like Alice and Kevin Bacon, because he's Kevin Bacon. Mm -hmm. Do you know any of these people? Like you listed all their names. Yeah. Just like 40 minutes ago. You don't know any of them. I, I couldn't even put them on a lineup and tell you which one is which. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's, I, I know who Kevin Bacon is. Yes. Uh, so that it makes the rest of it like feel slack. Yes. Because I don't care about the deaths as much. I don't care when there's the chase scenes. Mm -hmm. Like it makes me check out a little bit when that stuff happens, if I don't have some kind of investment or the movie's not entirely over the top with being goofy. Yeah. And this one isn't quite enough over the top and it's not quite serious enough. It's not embracing the camp. Exactly. Ooh, <laughs> look at you with your, your highbrow. Sam Raimi did it. Why couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> no, but that's what makes evil dead a better franchise. Yes. Yeah. Is that they took a direction. They said, you know what? Evil Dead was a horror movie. Yep. And then they were like, well, it could be a horror comedy. Yeah. Let's do Evil Dead 2 in that direction. And they did that. And it was beautiful. Yep. Even in the first one, though, um, the fact that um, uh, Sam Raimi's brother, Ted. Yeah. Doubles for almost everybody in the movie at one <laughs> yes, point because everybody left. Except, and Sam's like, my brother has to stay. So we're putting him in a wig. We're putting him in a dress. We're doing everything with, with Ted. We're slamming him into walls. Yeah. Uh, and they call him shimp. Yep. That's there. That's Sam's term for stunt guy is a shimp <laughs> from three stooges. Like, so, you know, where his heart was from the beginning. Oh yeah. That he had this, like the, the comedic roots. 
Um, my number two thing that disturbs me is the, the crazy Ralph. Okay. And this is, this is like my, um, my social justice warrior oh, let's point, look. point on this one. That's okay. Let, yeah. me, let me mute myself. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> the, it really is just like, I don't like the fact that like they're picking on this guy who might have mental problems. <laughs> yes. And, and if he doesn't, then they should be listening to like, it's the weirdest, most upsetting way he's portrayed. Yeah. The, the um, he's given no respect, even though he's the only one who's right. <laughs> you know, it's weird. But how the hell did he get in that pantry? I don't know. <laughs> like his second appearance, they're like, "Where's Ralph? Where everyone's looking for Ralph?" Hi guys. <laughs> yeah. They, then they open up a pantry, and he's just standing in there in a dark pantry for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> like, what the hell, Ralph? Yeah. Come I on, I was man. in my closet. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he goes and gets on his bike, which was right in front of where everybody was when they were looking for Ralph. Yeah. It's like, guys, come on. Have you ever seen Ralph? His, well, is that his bike? I don't know. Could be. Some, could be anybody's bike. Yeah. I mean, there's only 13 people in this town. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the only one who rides a bike. But who rides a blue Schwinn around here? <laughs> well, that cop was not going to be the one getting to the bottom of that particular case. I'll tell you that. No, no, no. He he had laser focus so hard he couldn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Yes. Uh, I do not like the snake death. Not feeling that. No, it's uh, I don't need to be seeing animal deaths on screen. OK. Um, also, I, I mean, I think it's a perfectly nice snake, probably, that they killed. I don't think he was going to hurt anybody. I don't like snakes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I, that being said, I don't, I, know, I don't condone them dying on camera. Yeah. Like just for this, just for this stupid movie. That's the problem. Like maybe if this was a Paul Thomas Anderson film, I'd be like, well, he had his reasons, but here I'm like, it's a bunch of jackasses and Kevin Bacon out in the woods. <laughs> they got 50 grand plus maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but it does introduce the machete. Okay, yeah, the machete comes to play. We have a machete on the campground. Yes, and and the I think it's the funny guy who does the chopping. Yes, uh, and then he like kind of holds the machete against his cheek, like really oddly. Like I'm like, is is he is he getting bonered up over this uh, snake killing that's going on? That was something not Tucker and Dale right there. Uh huh. <laughs> God, that's a good movie. Fantastic film. We, we should have watched that movie instead. Wouldn't mind doing that one at some point. I, you're not twisting my arm too hard on that one. All right. What do you want to vent about? Joe? All right, my number three is there's lots of overacting. There's a lot of underacting in this. Yeah. Nothing feels natural in the dialogue department at all. Yep. <laughs> I just, every time they started talking, I was like, I've seen soap opera acting. Are these the ones that could make it in soap operas? Yes. Like, and you're right. There's no discernible character. You, they don't know how to deliver in a way that's unique to each other. Yep. Uh, my number two is the deaths. Although very cool. They are effortless for the killer. Yeah. Absolutely effortless. Each one of these deaths could be just like, if I walk at a brisk pace, I can outrun this woman. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you could. Her medic alert brace is probably jingling as she's sneaking up on you. <laughs> Do you hear something? <laughs> yeah. Everybody just kind of like lays there and waits for her to finish. Yeah. And my number one, which Mrs. Voorhees, she's a weak ass villain. Okay. Okay. She should have been introduced at some point long before she is actually showing up in the final 20 minutes of the movie. Just mm -hmm. show her somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, like, for instance, if Crazy Ralph comes out and he's like, you know, oh, don't go to Camp Lunch. She goes, oh, Ralph, come here. You're going to scare the children away from that lovely camp. Yes. If she said that, awesome. We get it. There's a motive attached mm -hmm. somewhere. that's mm -hmm. not just, hey, I'm from 1957. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this takes place in 1980, right? Yes. Okay. So that would make her 23 years older than the death of her son. 
Okay. So let's just say hypothetically, she graduates college at 22, gave her. Well, uh, but this is the fifties when she would have been that old. Maybe didn't go to college. Maybe she'd go to college. So try to think how old this woman would have to be at this point. Yes. So it, the very youngest, uh, there's no mention of his father. No. So Satan, but, but still, look, <laughs> I mean, he does uh, like return from the dead. Yeah. <gasps> like Jesus. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Ooh, that was good. Uh, so, okay. Late teens at the earliest. Okay. So right? I'm saying, let's say 18, 19 years. Old. Okay. 18 for easy math. 18. Okay. Now let's just say he died at about Jason dies at about 10. Okay. Or is he 13? I He, he can't be very old. Okay. We'll say like 12. Okay. Okay. 12. So we got 18 plus 12. We're at 30. Okay. At number 23, we're at 53 years old. Yes. That seems about Betsy Palmer. Yes. You cannot run a 53 year old. <laughs> so, okay. She's nearing AARP age, right? <laughs> she's, not, she's getting the mailers. Yes. <laughs> and, and considering it. She's and like, consider- yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm getting the mailers now. And well, maybe you should consider it. <laughs> <laughs> Next week, grumpy old men. <laughs> it's just us. It's just us. Um, yeah. So she laid in wait this whole time for the, specifically this thing. Has she been like doing CrossFit in the background? Just, just right, to, right, laps around the lake. Yeah. Just to, like, <laughs> oh, just got to stay to stay ripped. Just in case somebody opens that camp. That closed 23 years ago. But it's a guy you know. <laughs> That's the insane thing. She says it. She's like, oh, I know Steve. I'm, I'm a, a friend of the Christie's. I'm a friend of the Christie's. <laughs> Steve should never have opened up this lake. Like, what the hell? I know. I. <laughs> it's okay. Recast this movie, though. In your By mind. Today? No, 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 no. Uh, Plot wise. Okay. Take it out of uh, being a slasher. Yeah. And. Have it be a series of like poisonings and accidental deaths. More like a uh, like per- Game of Thrones, like well, like a per- Perot mystery okay, or yeah. Agatha Christie type thing. Okay. Suddenly, Betsy Palmer makes perfect sense. Mrs. Voorhees. Yeah, you no, see what that I'm saying? Does, like, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because and I could see that as like you know a drawing room mystery kind of a thing. Right. Like it's you know it's a closed loop. Nobody can get out. And these deaths happen and she has her motive and it gets revealed at the very end. That's, you know, classic kind of Agatha Christie. The problem comes when you merge that with a super strong person (laughs) who can chuck a full grown woman (laughs) rope and all entirely through a window. Yes. She's got the strength of a linebacker. (laughs) When is the last time you you tried to break a window? Like even just throwing stuff at a window, it's not super easy all the time. A very thin window, I have a feeling I couldn't do. (laughs) (laughs) Let alone lift up a woman to throw through it. No, no. She'd bounce right off and I'd be like, oh, it'd be be a scene out of a spoof. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You'd have Alice inside the cabin and all of a sudden she hears something (laughs) and it's just her friend being smashed against the window and then falling. And that right there is a movie that needs to be made. Yeah. A slasher movie from the slasher's point of view. Uh, have you seen, uh, what is it? Leslie Vernon behind the mask? No, I have not. Yes. I believe it was the rise of Leslie Vernon or something like that. It's basically like a documentary crew follows around the killer in one of these movies. Okay. And there's like a scene where, um, he's stalking his prey 
and whenever they turn around, he runs. <laughs> and when they turn back around, he walks really slowly. <laughs> it's so good. It's really amusing. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We should have watched that movie. <laughs> I'll just make a list at this point. <laughs> All right. We're on to the critics rating here. We use an A to F scale here on the movie planet. A C is considered average, which means it's not necessarily bad. It's not good. It's just average. A is the highest, F is the lowest. If the movie is so bad, it receives Fs from all the hosts. It goes to a new category of movie called the Movie Planet Global Killer. A category of movie where you can watch it ironically and have an amazing time at how bad it is. So, the question is, what do you give Friday the 13th in the horror feature film genre by 2019's standards? I give it to you, Josh. Okay. Just- and I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> I think that I have to go with uh, it's not so bad. It's good. It doesn't cross that line. Um, uh, I think it's just kind of boringly bad in the parts in the parts that are bad. Okay. It's it's not that endearing to me. Uh, I'm going to go D plus D plus D plus. Okay. Maybe C minus like edging right in that territory. All right. I'm going to be the dick today. Mm hmm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will be handing this thing a very low grade. <laughs> yes. Uh, look, there is no doubt in any sane person's mind that this movie is considered a classic. Yes. Okay. That it's considered landmark, that it's inspirational, that it sparked a horror franchise. Nobody can say otherwise. However, this movie is utter garbage by 2019 standards. <laughs> wow. It is nearly unwatchable as a horror movie from the casual viewer standpoint. If this was in theaters today and you were going to attract audiences, mm-hmm. this was not going to do it. No. They'd it, walk out. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I'm looking at this. Horror has improved more and more every decade, and this has become a relic, a museum artifact of the past. Okay, yes. Uh, it's like, you should revisit this at some point. This is a landmark movie. Mm-hmm. It's not the best you're ever going to see, but it's fantastic for the time it was. Okay. I, uh, for me, that's Easy Rider. Okay. Is is like the the icon of that where I go, ooh, helped launch independent film. Great. I try to watch it and I'm like, I don't want to sit through this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure in 1980, this was decent. Decent. Mm-hmm. But in 2019, this isn't even a horror movie anymore. Uh, this is a movie that you would watch with your friends and laugh during rather than be scared with. Yes. A good horror movie, in my opinion, balances story and scares. Too much of one takes away from the other. So let's take a bo- look at both. Story-wise, okay. look, the Cabin in the Woods story, the camp story, whatever you want to call this, it has inspired so many movies beyond it. Yes. Uh, it has, uh, it, it, you get five kids, stick them in the middle of nowhere, add killer, get a final girl, final girl kills killer, jump scare at the end, rinse, repeat. Right. Nearly every slasher flick beyond this point uses this template. In this case, they try to use the idea of sex and irresponsibility as the reason for the killer, but even then... Mrs. Voorhees, where did you come from? What? <laughs> what is the story? Wait until the final 20 minutes to introduce this character. Is it so the audience member feels like anyone could be killed for no reason? Mm-hmm. Well, then you have Halloween. Add a motive. Now it's Friday the 13th. Right. Okay. Uh, now, scares wise, there's not a whole lot here. I can see how it's the genesis for many scares we may see in today's movies. But that's like saying you wouldn't have the Mona Lisa without cave paintings. Okay. Uh, what takes away from the scares are the bad acting involved in the scares. I also think that uh, a thing that Halloween has on top of it is suspense. Yeah. There's there's like the it's being drawn. Yes. Like you see the killer, you see the shape, you see things coming and you see them 
about to happen, mm -hmm. you know someone's going to discover a dead body before they do. Right. And here you only get the jump. It's the Hitchcock thing. Yes. Of the bomb under the table. <laughs> and this, you never see the bomb under the table. Right. It's just, okay. And when you do, it's, um, what's her name looking in the shower? You, so you get like 12 seconds of it. Yes. It's not like sustained. A reflection maybe. Yeah. There she is. Yes. <laughs> you know? Any kind of little... Give us something. So the acting is terrible. The plot drags. The characters don't act realistically. And the killer is someone you could easily run away from at a brisk pace. Yes. This movie is a perfect example of the idea that although you wouldn't have a lot of movies if this hadn't been made, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the best mm -hmm. or deserving of a place in the horror pantheon of today. This movie has been improved upon, mm -hmm. much like The Evil Dead, <laughs> which is much better than this movie. Okay. Okay. In fact, I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase on what I said about the Evil Dead right here. Okay. So what do I grade this as? Is this a great horror movie or is it a necessary stepping stone that helped bridge the gap towards the next phase of great horror? This movie has very little story and the scares are laughable by today's standards. I appreciate what this film is. And as an art film, I'm sure there is an argument for it being a trailblazer. But for the casual viewer as a movie... I'm giving this a D minus very below average. Wow. The only thing saving. No, I'm giving it the D. I'm giving it a D. I'm giving it the D. I'm giving it. A D. <laughs> <laughs> well, you like this movie a little more than I thought. <laughs> I'm giving it a D very below average. The only thing saving this movie from an F is Betsy Palmer brings it when she's on screen. Okay. And what keeps it from a D minus is the Jason jump out of the water. Okay. Both of which weren't supposed to be there. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, it's a D for a D. My, no, it's a D for me. That's mm -hmm. a D plus for you. So we average that out. And we always round uh, down, actually, okay. because we can't have an A plus. We can only have an A. Uh, so it's going to be a D. All right. The D movie. We're giving it the D. It, we're giving it the D. Okay. Now, if we revisit the list of movies in the Pantheon, this is not making it in. No, no, no it, is, it not. is not. Uh, and here's the thing. The other Pantheon this could be a contender in is the franchise pantheon okay and this one we've got toy story at the top we got the tolkien saga listen i was not a fan of putting both of these damn trilogies together this was jc and joel's idea okay yeah i've i mean see i would separate them same here and then put them both below the pantheon personally but that's okay that's a whole other conversation that's okay that's like six other conversations i think it's well it's three we don't want to talk about the hobbit <laughs> Uh, Star Wars is next. The Alien franchise is next. Evil Dead is next. Jurassic Park, then Die Hard. And that's our seven right now that we've actually reviewed. Okay. Uh, we have not gotten in the Marvel universe yet. Okay. And there's not a separate horror franchise pantheon. No, these are the franchises of movies because franchises are hard to find that are worth a damn. Okay. Well, you didn't, you didn't say that that'd be worth a damn. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you, you clearly reviewed, uh, Everything past the first three Die Hard movies. Oh, and, yes. And none of those one, are worth a damn. Them all. <laughs> and that's, those aren't worth a damn. That's but, why it's a C plus. Okay. The first two are like A's. And then it was like, oh, diminishing returns. <laughs> <laughs> that's the average of all the movies right yes. there. Yes. So, and the first one is like the A-est A that you could ever A. It right? is. I believe we have that one as a, a, a perfect A. Okay. Yeah. Because it's it is the action film. Yes. It's the jaws of action films. Yes. Uh, by modern standards, at least. Yep. Uh, so do you think this movie franchise, the Friday the 13th franchise, uh -huh. which is like 13 some movies, 13 plus movies, right? Uh, it's either 12 or 13, okay. with, if you include the remake. When you consider that, you think to yourself, well, it must be good. Mm -hmm. 
does it have a chance to eke its way into this pantheon at all? Okay, I don't know if I can cross the line to get into the pantheon mm-hmm. because I think some of them might be Fs, but that's its own special thing. <laughs> like I think it could be a global killer pantheon. Yes, yeah, <laughs> I think D minus is actually your lowest grade. It'd be it would be it'd be uh, competing with Divergent. <laughs> yes. Ooh, good. Which just seems boring. This is bland, right? Yes. The um, it's kind of like uh, you know, the opposite of love isn't hate it's antipathy or whatever ignorance yeah yeah whatever it's it's the thing that you don't care about yeah these when i was watching the sequels i'm like these are hugely entertaining (laughs) they're not good films right but i can sit down and watch the hell out of them okay they're really fun yeah especially once you get past the first two to me like they get better up until a certain point (laughs) there's a certain point and there's one film that completely falls flat on space for me please tell me it's space it is space. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it is space. It's when we were sending all our horror people to space. Leprechaun yes. in space. Yep. It's uh, so that feels like a um, uh, it, it's the most Canadian feeling uh, space that I've ever seen. It, <laughs> it, you watch it and you're like, oh, this is a Canadian production. <laughs> Tell me this, about it. <laughs> yes. There's there should be some poutine on set. Uh, there's. <laughs> They really talked about the Leafs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in between takes. Them dang Canucks. Yeah. Everything, like, it just looks totally different. You know, yeah. it doesn't have the same vibe. But I do think that there's some really good stuff in the rest of the series. Okay. Okay. So there's a possibility. Yes. That it could contend with Die Hard. Yes. I would say that. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It, but are you, what do you think of Jurassic Park being so low on there? Are you surprised uh, by that or not surprised? I'm not surprised because once again, I feel like the first film, uh, the first 1.5 yeah. films are, are killer. Mm-hmm. And then you have diminishing returns. Okay. Yeah. And I know you're, not, I know you don't like how low the evil dead one is, but it is going to yes. be there for a while with that, with that grade in there. Yes. But, um, I mean, you're competing against toy story, like toy stories. Like that's, Fantastic. Yeah. We haven't even done Toy Story 4 yet. We got still got to do that one because oh, Forky. Once we once we get that one in there, then it might change that grade. I yeah. know that it's not going to be an A minus for me and I saw it last night. <laughs> <laughs> um I I I mean Alien is also like my franchise. Like I love Alien. They're highly entertaining, but most of them are bad movies. What? No, I mean like Alien is mm-hmm. fantastic. Yes, it is. Aliens, depending on who you talk to, mm-hmm. is fantastic and or not so great. Uh-huh. I know you're not a fan of Aliens, right? It's my least favorite of the franchise. Really? Of And I'm not including the AVP movies. Well, who would? Okay. Okay. Okay, <laughs> good. Yeah, it's um, just because it's the most standard. Like, it's it's a James Cameron movie. It's, you know, right. it, it is what it is. It's an action movie. It doesn't get me as much as the other ones. I have a theory, an alien theory, actually, which is whichever one of those two alien or aliens you saw first is mm-hmm. the better movie to you. Uh-huh. Like if you saw aliens first, you go, this is better than alien. Uh-huh. If you saw alien first, you go, this is better than aliens. I saw aliens first. Really? And yes. you get, so you bucked my theory. Yes. You son of a bitch. <laughs> and I think the first part of aliens is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like the up until the action actually starts. See, that's what gets me the action. I love the action. in it. Yeah. Action. Eh. It scares the hell out of me. See, it doesn't, it doesn't do that for me. The, the slow stalking in the first one gets me. See somebody, when we were doing that, that franchise, uh, my friend, Sam, 
he made an analogy. He goes, well, Joe, which would be, because he was a big fan of Alien. He goes, Alien mm -hmm. sucks. Alien is the better movie. Go, okay. Mm -hmm. He goes, well, which one is more frightening? Would you rather have a brown recluse in your attic uh -huh. and you don't know where it is? Right. Or a thousand ladybugs in your attic? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you can't compare a brown recluse to a ladybug. Right. I said, you have to compare them both the same way. Would I rather have one than a thousand brown recluses? Yes, I would, because <laughs> I'd know where its ass was at. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But if there's a thousand, I can't deal with that. Right. And that's the that's the aliens part of me, is that alien scares me because nobody on that ship is fully prepared to deal with what they have there. They're not soldiers. But... These are soldiers. These yeah. are the baddest of the bad, according to yeah. uh, Paxton. Yeah. And they're being completely overrun like it's Vietnam. Yeah. And it's, I, I just love, I'm like, there's nowhere to, you've run out of ammo at this point. They're yeah. still coming. Yes. How do you, what is your goal? You can't get out at this point. You're, yeah. you're screwed. But it, it just doesn't, it doesn't get me the same way. That's okay. As, as Alien does. Yeah. And it really does. Like, there's a lot of like action scenes mm -hmm. in movies where I'm just like, I, Blank out. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It's there's action happening. It's cool. Whatever. I know something we'll agree on with this franchise. Okay. The behind the scenes featurettes are uh -huh. better than the movies and overall. Yeah. Overall. Yes. Overall. Uh, also, as far like that's like film school in a box. Oh yes. Those those behind the scenes. So those are fantastic. I could watch them over and over again. Yep. Yeah. Those are amazing. Uh, okay. Let's get our critic stats off. Okay. Do you love this movie? Like this movie or none of the above, Josh? Okay, now this does not have to equal with my actual grade, right? This is just your entertainment value. I I like slash love this movie. Okay. Like, it, I can put it on, like, in the background and hang out with it. <laughs> like, it's it's not offensive in a whole lot of ways. No. It can just be there. It can kind of chill. Apparently, it, there's boobs in there. I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you watch it 12 or 10 or 12 more times and you might catch them. Um, <laughs> But, you know, when I'm sitting there, like, doing my uh, my old man crossword puzzles or what have you. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I do logic puzzles, but. Oh, Mr. Voorhees. Yeah. But you, you can put them on. You can put it on. And, you know, yeah. it's 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 fun for that. I, I personally, I'm a like, but for all the wrong reasons. Uh -huh. like, I like this movie because I'm entertained because I'm giggling the entire yeah. time. And I'm not, I know I'm not supposed to be. That wasn't the intention. But damn it, if it's not like you watch and you just can't stop laughing. Yeah. Because you're like. <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs> like the Waynes brothers couldn't spoof this worse. <laughs> yes. Yes. I concur on that point. Uh, but yeah. So I got a question for you. Do you want to do the second movie in Friday the 13th or do you want to maybe do a different movie and maybe just go, you know what? This franchise ain't making it in any way. Or do you want to do a few Friday the 13th? Is it, is it possible to do like a different Friday the 13th? Then two. If you feel like there is a different Friday the 13th that you think could make it into the pantheon of horror movies. Okay. Let's go with it. Let's see if it gets there. I mean, is that is that the whole goal is to, to try to unseat the top? The goal is to get seven that are just like, if you were a kid and you're, you were going, I've never seen a horror movie. Here's the seven you absolutely need to see if you want to be scared shitless. Because, I mean, I also watch horror movies because they're fun. They're like comfort food for me. Right. But, but, you, but you're you, a sick individual. <laughs> yeah. As I say, you called me out on this the other day uh, over over text message. Uh, there was something I said and um, you were like, oh, yeah, Mr. Horror Movie or whatever it was. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I know that about you. I, yeah. You're, yeah. You're like my uncle. He, he, he had the horror shit. He had a poster on his. I still remember this. Uh -huh. Five years old walking past his bedroom. He had a poster of somebody pulling a brain out of their ear. I can oh see God. it vividly. Yeah. 
it's number of nightmares because of that yes. damn poster. But he was a horror junkie. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, you're a special type of human being. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, a horror movie has to really get under my skin. Uh-huh. And there are a handful I can think of mm-hmm. that do that. Um, oh, I could... I could curate some titles. Oh, for I'm sh- that's the thing. <laughs> Having you on the show, I'm going to get a whole list of nightmares uh-huh. added to my, oh, yeah. my, uh, my uh, yeah. cue here. But uh, no, th- th- one of the things I want, because I know that you're a horror fan, is whenever we do horror movies, I want to bring you on for them yeah. because you, nobody's better than you, than you are. Yeah, thank you. So you're welcome. Uh, I'm, I'm just the impartial audience. Just kind of, right. you know, I, I kind of know what I'm talking about sometimes. So the, the fun thing with horror movies for me is that like, if you have a comedy, that doesn't work as a comedy. You don't have anything. Yes. You, you just, you just have, a, if you have a drama where you don't connect with the characters, you don't have anything. Yeah. If you have a genre movie, if you have a horror movie or an action movie, you get a chance at like funny characters mm-hmm. or serious characters. You get a chance at action. You get a chance at exploitation. You have all these different elements that can be working that can still make for an entertaining movie. Yeah. Like nobody cares if you do a really shitty version of on golden pond, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> Like, okay, it's... I'd love to see that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Who do you have the Henry Fonda role? How about Screech? Is he available? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, Dustin Diamond, that's a deep pull. Yeah, it is. Uh, but... Uh, see you later, AC Slater. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you have like all these different chances for it to be an entertaining film still. As opposed to like a drama that doesn't work, it just, it's kind of inert. Yeah. Nothing happens with it. Um, and I also think that most of like the innovation has come from genre movies. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, James Cameron, especially like mm-hmm. he does amazing things with that. It's, it, it, it's kind of funny. People shit on blockbusters and all that all the time, mm-hmm. but the money's put into those and the technology gets advanced so that smaller movies can do what they want to do. Yes. Yeah. And it reminds me of an Iron Man quote. Okay. where they he goes he's talking about he's getting interviewed and, he, and they're like well what do you feel about being the the war profiteer and he goes well this 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 all these things that you enjoy military funding baby you're right <laughs> yep <laughs> you know you may not like how it's made but you have it yep and piggybacking off of what you said i'm a fan of the idea that when it comes to different categories of movies horror and comedy are the most subjective when it comes to grading them Yes. Because one person's most hysterical movie mm-hmm. could be somebody's, this is boring as hell. Yep. And somebody could be freaked out by a horror movie and completely not hit anybody else. Yes. Um, and in that way, you need to have more than one voice talking about these because yes. that's why I like the democratic process of let's just get an average grade then because right. it kind of tells you what the average person's going to think then as opposed to what the, the Uber fan is going to think. And then what the person is like, I think I'm going to like this. Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's the, it's the happy medium in between. Yep. So yeah, I, I like the idea that these are like, so which Friday the 13th were you thinking? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at my rankings Okay. Uh, on, on yield letterboxed. Okay. Um, Cause I have them all on there, but uh, yeah, there's, there's a few that are just like, like batshit crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a whole other level of fun. Okay. That's, you know, I think, uh, I think you might get, a really good solid F out of, <laughs> out of one of those. <laughs> That's, the goal wasn't to get the F. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like it's been, it was a happy accident when we did uh, the alien franchise 
And we were like, oh, yeah, we remember Alien Aliens. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, 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 we forgot about Alien 3. Oh, there, <laughs> what, what about Resurrection? Oh, God. Oh, and I remember JC going, do we have to do this? You go, if we do one, we have to do them all. Yes. <laughs> Which makes more entertaining shows. The worse the movie is, the more entertaining the show is. Right. Because uh, it's hard to, you know, goof around on really good movies. I mean, it's not hard, but I can do it, but... <laughs> I have no problem picking apart movies. Uh, I'm not going to do it honest trailer style where they nitpick the shit out of everything. Oh man. I've got th- those guys in cinema sins. I have, I have beef. Oh, I, they, they, they can ruin anything for anybody. Yeah. Like I, I don't even subscribe to them anymore because before I was like, Oh yeah, this is funny. I choked my friends. They'd be like, Oh my God, I used to like that movie. Now I think it sucks. I'm like, no, right. Don't let them paste your opinion. Right. Yep. Stop. Yes, there's a problem. There is definitely a problem in Twilight when you see some random little girl walk across the floor at a volleyball game. <laughs> you go, is that the director's daughter? What's she doing here? Yeah. <laughs> or there's a truck driving by. There's nobody in the truck. Right. You know? Those are little things that you like, but at the same time, there are so many people that are swayed by those. Yes. And it pisses me off because there's so many good movies that they do. And you're like, oh, don't do this. Right. No, no, no. The, the uh, handcuffs breaking apart. And Lethal Weapon, when they jump off the building, does not make Lethal Weapon a bad movie. No, it just makes it a mistake on the set. Yes. That's all yeah. it is. And you know what? I'm pretty sure Mrs. Voorhees, with her strengths, she could do it. Surely Mel Gibson could, too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's so many, so, so many times you can get a racist to jump off a building. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. People can change. Uh-huh. That's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. In two weeks, we will be talking about 1999's Fight Club. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet Podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet Podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching! <laughs>